Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I'm JT Wistersill. Excited to be joined by NBA draft fanatic Leaf Tulin. Leaf, how's it going? Doing well. I'm, I'm excited to hop on here and talk some NBA draft. Yeah, should be a good time for sure. Just as we did last year, we're going to take turns going through an NBA mock draft. Basically, I'm going to take the odd pick, so I'll be up first and you'll take the evens. But before we get to specifically the picks, I just want to ask you in general, as someone who's done a ton of work on this draft class, what are some things that stick out to you about the class as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a lot of talent at the top. Um, but what stands out to me the most is the, the depth. There's a lot of players that I think are worthy of first round grades. And when I uh, kind of calculate it all, I've got about 33, 34 players that I, I have first round grades on. And um, so obviously there's only 30 first round draft picks. So that speaks to the depth of the class. I think that you ha- this is a class that you don't hear too many comparisons to the 2003 draft class. And I don't necessarily usually take them to heart. Um, and I'm not sure it's fair to do so yet, but there's been comparisons tossed. So a lot of an, uh, analysts really believe in this class and their potential to have stars as well as longevity. Um, and, and that's the best way to have a successful draft class is have some stars at the top and then some longevity from those selected in the later, later picks, um, especially if you can get some second round players that stick around. And I think this class has the potential to do so. Yeah, a lot of people, as you just brought up right there, do throw out that 2003 comparison like that. One thing that just surprised me a little bit is I don't know, maybe we just need a few more years of it, but I feel like the 2018 class is going to be <laughs> pretty close to up there coming off of what we just saw from Trey Young, Luca, and DeAndre Ayton and the number of other guys from that class as well. So excited to see how that one shakes out for sure. Before we dive into it, though, is this class better than last year's in your opinion? Yes, yes, it is. Um, last year, I, I think a lot of people who kind of make tier systems had only one or two players, if that, in, in the tier one. Um, a lot of people didn't believe in LaMelo Ball at the beginning of the year, and he was only like the only one after the season um, ended that people kind of moved up. Um, and in that sense, if, if you look at the tiers, uh, if you look at potential superstars, I don't think you saw enough from a lot of these players from last year um, to think, oh, wow, these are superstars right away. Um, and, and even so, Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball had very good seasons. And I think you can make an argument uh, that they can be stars. But I, I think this year's class, you take three or four players based off not knowing how the next season went. Um, so, you know, if you go in a blank slate last year versus a blank slate this year, I think you take three or four, maybe even five players before the number one pick last year. And obviously, um, Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball turned out very well. James Wiseman is wait to see, but I think there's better depth this year. And I think there's more superstar potential at the top. Um, and I think it's more proven at least. Yeah. Speaking of that superstar potential at the top, let's kick it off. No surprise here with Detroit at number one for me, I'm going to go with Cade Cunningham. I mean, there's some people have called him one of the best prospects we've seen in a, in a long time. I just go back to Zion a few years ago personally, but I mean, he's got the great size, six eight, can handle the ball, be that point forward that's so valuable in the day's game. He's able to also shows flashes of an outside shot as well, 40% from three. That's something that I like to see out of him in college as well. So I mean, he can really do it all on the offensive end. I feel like he can hit contested jumpers. He can finish through contact. He makes all kinds of passes. I even saw him post up some smaller guys as well, which I think is something that's nice. And he can use it the next level if he's going to be guarded by the other team's point guards, as he will be the primary ball handler there. So, yeah, I'm a Kate Cunningham fan. I'm 
I don't think there's anyone who's not going to say he's the best player in this draft and have him going number one. But Leaf, what are your thoughts on Cade? Yeah, I love Cade. He's a very good ball handler, very good distributor. He's got size. Um, a lot of people, you you say, what's their superpower to be a superstar? And, and his can be positional size as well as the fact that he really shot the ball well at Oklahoma State. Uh, he can be a plus defensive player. And, and most importantly, he's got if he goes to Detroit, uh, he's got a team surrounded uh, surrounding him that I think really complements his game. And he will be able to thrive there early and often and then become uh, a very good player right away and probably a superstar. I really buy his ceiling is higher than a lot of people uh, kind of underrate his ceiling because of how high his floor is. And I think his floor is extremely high. Um, and at worst, he's a really high-level starter. But I also think his ceiling is pretty high because he's got a lot of traits that are similar to – to Luka Doncic. I don't think he's quite the score Luka is, but he, he can get you into those positions because of his size and his passing ability that is very rare for guards to be 6'8 and as powerfully built as he is. Mm-hmm. And I think you make a great point too about the landing spot in Detroit. It's funny, with the top 10 pick last year, you picked Killian Hayes, not a great rookie year, so you worry about that, but Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, both first-team all-rookie guys, look like home-run picks. They also grabbed a guy like Josh Jackson, who showed promises as well after Boston and Phoenix. So it's definitely going to be interesting and an exciting time for Detroit after looking like such a dark destination once Blake, and even with the last little bit of the Blakey, Blake Griffin, uh, Andre Drummond years like that, they were just really ugly. So, yep, a good spot for Detroit indeed. At number two, the Houston Rockets. Leaf, what are you feeling here? I think the I think the Rockets are going to take Jalen Green. Uh, he's a dynamic scorer, kind of the ilk of like a Zach Levine. Um, I, I think this is the pick they'll make because they're looking to create a dynamic backcourt. And Kevin Porter Jr. showed flashes already. I mean, he scored a fifty-point game uh, in last season. Uh, he's young. He's dynamic. Jalen Green has the tools to be a better player, um, and he might as what well, might be in his rookie year. Um, he's claimed himself. He's, he's certainly a confident guy. Uh, he claimed that if he had played college basketball rather than go to the G League, he'd certainly be the number one pick. And and uh, I don't think that's the craziest thing he could say. I, I really prefer Cade Cunningham's game, the way he distributes the ball, and he's still able to score. But uh, Jalen Green can score. And and today that's becoming more and more prevalent. There's less need for, uh, for pick and roll ball handler. There's more need for multiple pick and roll ball handlers, but there's less need for pass first guys. Um, and I think he's the ultimate, I can get you a bucket. It doesn't matter when or how, and I've got the athletic traits to be a plus defender. Um, just let me play basketball type of guy. And I think he's a better player now than Anthony Edwards was prior to the draft. And you saw how Anthony Edwards came into his rookie year. He struggled initially with efficiency. I think Green might do so as well, but he turned into a, a overwhelmingly positive uh, pick. Uh, no one in Minnesota, you can speak for this, is disappointed by his output, especially towards the end of the year. And I think Jalen Green will do the same for the Rockets. No, I think that's so true. And I think one thing that hurt Edwards a little bit was he did come off the bench for the first time in his entire career. And that was something he didn't do great with. There was coaching issues, but yeah, I think that'll be great for green. I, I totally, I think that Houston's going to go with Jalen green here as well. And I think, look, they're not getting rid of John wall. John wall helped Bradley Beal become a better player. I think he could do so 
for a guy like Jalen Green as well, put him in good positions. He's a guy I feel like in Green who, yes, you want the ball in his hands a lot because of his dynamic scoring ability, but he did show the ability to play off the ball a little bit as well, which is fun, cuts to the basket really well. And because I love that Zach Levine comparison you threw out because there's so many moments where he just seems to float in the air and that allows him to have so many tough finishes at the rim if he's going up and under, or hey, he can rise up and finish over a guy too because of that bounce. So yeah, I think Jalen Green makes a ton of sense there. And I really like the pick for Houston. And I think that's the way they're going to go as well. So Jalen Green at number two. I do want to ask you, so I'm going to go with Evan Mobley here for the Cavs. Who do you prefer, Jalen Green or Mobley? It depends for the team. Um, I, obviously, the question is for the Rockets. I think you could really build two different ways. I think Evan Mobley could be a cornerstone, and then you have to really believe in Kevin Porter Jr. and then maybe hope to get another guard the next year. Um, and the other, op- the other option is you believe in Kristen Wood, to be the sole big man um, and you build a bunch of guards that are super talented around him. I think those two are really a true toss up for me in terms of who's the better prospect. Uh, I, I mean, Evan Mobley kind of reminds me of Bam Adebayo in the sense that he can be a defensive anchor with incredible mobility at, but any, and Bam is only uh, you know, he makes some great shot blocking ability, but Evan Mobley is a better shot blocker. Um, so I think he's a better prospect than Bam, but I think that's the nearest comparison. And whereas Jalen Green is maybe a more talented, a better shooting initially, Zach Levine. And these are two guys who are all-stars um, that I think these two prospects can be better players than if they hit their potential. So that's picking between two uh, first-time all-stars. And it really just depends what you prioritize as a team and what you build around better. So to me, I mean, I, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I, I really do think they're on equal weights. Yeah, I totally get that because I mean, Green's a great player as we get on. For me personally, I'm a huge Mobley fan. I think he's great. He is the clear number two for me. You talked about the rim protection as well. He's bigger than a guy like Bam out of bios. He's a little longer as well. He also moves extremely well. Bam, one of the things that's so great about Bam is the ability to defend in space. That's something Jalen Green, that's something that Evan Mobley does extremely well also. Also see signs of a little bit of a post game as well, which excite me as he is such a big guy. He'll come in right away and be more the rim protector, I think, is first. But you can see the signs on offense flashed a shot as well as a very is a more than willing. And at times, I think the unicorn comparison makes sense because you see the outside shot at times and makes some really nice passes as well so he was a guy that I got to we watched I watched in person this past year at Utah and I liked him at the time but after going back through and watching a lot of him I just became an even bigger fan of this guy I think the sky's the limit I think in Cleveland playing next to Colin Sexton and Darius Garland I think will work well I still think the Cavs are going to keep Sexton I know that's a big thing right now is if they will if they won't I'm a Sexton fan still I think they'll go with him. And Jared Allen is an unbelievable trade piece. There are going to be so many teams that want a guy like Jared Allen. I think a team like you talked about LaMelo earlier. I think pairing him up with him and Charlotte, Jared Allen and and Charlotte would be a fantastic fit. And yeah, I think you got to go Mobley here. These are, these seem to be the consensus top three guys. So whether it is for some reason, the Rockets do go Mobley, we expect green to go after, and then maybe they trade a Sexton like that, but. No, I totally agree with you on the Mobley stuff. I think he is a phenomenal player, and I'm excited to see how his game develops and grows because he's also another guy who's just – these guys are so young, I think we forget that sometimes. And a guy like Mobley, too, is going to be really good very soon. Yeah, for sure. And Evan Mobley, one other thing about, about him is he, he showed – you mentioned he, he can shoot the ball over. He's about 31% from three, about nearly mm-hmm. 70% from the free throw line. Um, that doesn't sound incredible, but for being a 19-year-old big man, that's pretty solid stuff to work with. And I've heard rumors that the Cavaliers are looking to trade up to get the two pick, whether that means they're aiming for Mobley to secure him or going for green. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that'll go through, but um, it it appears clear the Cavs have a guy they prefer 
And uh, I'm not sure if that's Mobley or Green, because like you said, they've got Sexton as a trade piece and they've got Jared Allen as a trade piece. Um, and they're prioritizing one of these two guys. So um, something interesting to watch for. If for some reason they took Green and did not play Sexton, I wonder it would be amazing to watch how quickly that locker room would sour between those three ball dominant guys just all fighting over something. I've actually, Darius is real. Look, Colin is the definition of ball dominant, but Darius Garland, he, I thought he did a really good job playing off ball, but you sprinkle a guy like Jalen Green to that. I think that would just be some, just be straight up madness and very interesting to watch and see how it would unfold, but more than likely not going to happen. Now for the fourth team, the, of these teams, I think the I think everyone is stunned that the Raptors fell to fourth when the lottery balls fell in their favor like that as a team that won a title just two years ago. And now they sit in a great position to draft another guy, a potential Kyle Lowry replacement. We don't know what's going to happen there. Leaf, where do you have them going at four? Yeah, so there are two players here for, for the Raptors. I think it really depends internally what they decide they're going to do with Kyle Lowry. If, they, if Kyle Lowry is out in there, then they say, okay, like we can pack our bags um, and, and go get a new point guard to play alongside Fred Van Fleet. Perfect player came along and that's Jalen Suggs. That said, I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes because Ooh. I think Masai Ujiri is one of the, the most analytically driven GMs and what he loves the most is length and athleticism. He's taking guys like Pascal Siakam, who is a relative risk at the time. He took OG Ananobi off of an injury. who's become an incredible defender. Uh, two things about those guys. Both are pretty big, big dudes anyway, but their wingspans are enormous. Scotty Barnes fits that exact mold. He's about 6'8 with nearly a 7'3 wingspan. Phenomenal defender. Great facilitator uh, for his size. And the only shortcoming with Scotty Barnes is shooting. And, you know, you can teach a guy to shoot, but you can't teach him to be 6'8", 7'3", wingspan, and run like a deer and defend one through five. And I, I just have the hunch. Uh, I think – if I'm going to be honest, I think they might pick Jalen Suggs. I just have this hunch that I can't shake that it's going to be Scotty Barnes. So I might as well speak from that perspective that Scotty Barnes has kind of been that late creepy. He's been crawling in. A lot of people had him around like nine at the beginning of this process. And he interviewed phenomenally. And he's got infectious energy. And the one thing that he's lacking right now is a defined offensive game, but no better team to teach you how to do that than the team that taught Pascal Siakam as a 22 year old, how to become a 20 point scorer on a championship team um, than the Raptors. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to trust my gut on this one and say uh, Pascal Siakam um, and they're going to go try to pair Pascal Siakam with Scotty Barnes. And if Pascal Siakam, instead of Lowry is the trade, then they have the replacement for Pascal Siakam. Oh, so, so true. I, I really like that you stuck with, stuck with your guts though there. I think if it was me, I would have gone with Suggs and more so than anything. I'm a huge narrative and storyline guy. So like, as soon as the pit, the balls fell the way they did, I'm like, Oh, Suggs, Lyra replacement. Perfect. Jock it up. That's going to happen. And I do like Jalen Suggs a lot, but man, I really like Scotty Barnes. Once I started to dive into him, you mentioned that defensive potential walk in right away and the size, the ability to facilitate from that size. It's something that's special as well. And Nick nurse and his staff do a great job of developing guys. You highlighted as well. I, gosh, Scotty definitely has the higher ceiling. So I think that would make a ton of sense if they, swung for the fences we won't be surprised of course if they go Suggs but it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do because it is a difficult decision speaking of difficult decisions that's what I have at number five now because I was going to take Scotty Barnes still I just like the the size the positional versatility I think it worked out well so basically I'm gonna take Jalen Suggs still I think he's the clearly the best player on the board still so I'm gonna I'm not personally not a Jonathan Kuminga fan 
So maybe he, you will take him at six, but for me, I'm like, I can't pass on Suggs here. I think he's too good. And it is a little strange, the fit, because you got Cole Anthony, you got Markel Fultz, you got a guy in Jonathan Isaac who doesn't shoot it great, even though, yes, he doesn't play the point guard position, but another guy who might need the ball in his hands a lot at times that in, in, in whatever RJ and whatever RJ Hampton does as well. So the fit is wonky for sure, but I really like Suggs. I feel like he's, he's tough. He competes on both ends of the floor showed, showed a nice flashes of a shot as well. Like the way he attacks the basket aggressively. He just seems like the kind of guy who's going to come in right away and make an impact on winning basketball games. And that's something that is definitely valuable. Even if he doesn't come with the athletic upside as the rest of these guys, in the top five for me. So I do like Suggs and Leaf, what do you think of Suggs? I love Jalen Suggs. And to be honest, he's one of my favorite people to watch in this class. I just think that his upside is a little lower than some of the, like the guys such as Kuminga and, and Scotty Barnes. And, and that's kind of why I lean towards Barnes at four. I think that you take the best player available for the magic and whether that is Barnes uh, or Suggs, I, I don't think it really changes what the Raptors do for, for what the magic will do because um, if you if you think there's a better player, odds are you can play a good player. I know they've got a lot of guards, but Markel Fultz is injury prone. Uh, R.J. Hampton's relatively uh, pretty much having a second rookie year because he didn't play much in Denver, played a tiny bit in Orlando, showed flashes. But the only player there that had a legitimate um, a legitimate start that you don't want to deter is Cole Anthony because I don't think you're going to say Markel Fultz is part of your future, as sad as that is to say, um, just because if you're putting in new players – I think that you've got to trust the health risks and his shot um, deterioration away. And I don't think it would scare you uh, into not taking Jalen Suggs when he is the best player on the board. Suggs is a phenomenal defender. He's got great instincts off the ball. And his shot is not perfect yet, but his form is very good. And he shot, he can shoot off the bounce. Um, and he's very good in the pick and roll. So I think, I think that's a clear cut pick despite not being a beautiful fit in terms of a need. Yeah, that's sad because Fultz, he showed flashes to start out this last season before he got hurt, but the best ability is availability, and it's not something he possesses, unfortunately. So Suggs goes to five and creates a – between Cleveland and Orlando, we got quite the point guard jams going just in general, even though we went with Mowgli for Cleveland. Just those are the kind of teams where it's interesting to see how they divvy up the ball, the job those coaches love to do. But Oklahoma City at six, they tanked really hard, and thankfully the basketball gods did not reward them, slotted them at six. They were literally resting Al Horford for old age, a roster that has guys like Lou Dortz and Shea Gilligas-Alexander and Darius Baisley. I mean, tons of guys with potential, but the only guy you're like, we know is part of our future is Shea, although there are trade rumors, so you never know. But what do you think that Sam Presti and the rest of the Thunder are going to do here at six? If I'm Sam Presti, I'm, I'm trying to deal either up or into the future, but in this case with no trades, I'd take Jonathan Kaminga. I, I like you have some concerns, um, but it's hard to deny his potential. He's got um, arguably the most potential in this draft because he came into playing basketball late. He started playing basketball at 14 years old. He's got a body that you, you like if you're a scout, you really want. Like you talk about Scotty Barnes, Kuminga's probably a better raw athlete um, at 6'8, got about the same wingspan, got a better jump shot. And he shows incredible defensive flashes. He kind of reminds me of like the of a Luol Dang type of build. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he kind of has a a burst to his game that you can't teach, as well as offensive skills that show flashes but haven't been fully put into memory. 
and you think about how much basketball the players that are being picked in the same type of spots have played and versus to age. He's one of the youngest players in this draft, played less basketball and still played pro professional basketball as an 18 year old. And a lot of his criticism is, oh, he didn't blow by these guys. Oh, he didn't dominate physically. Oh, he didn't shoot the ball phenomenally. Well, I mean, if you're 18, you're playing pro basketball, it's pretty impressive regardless. It's not to mention that's only his fourth or fifth year playing basketball. So that, to me, that's something that's important. Uh, his shooting definitely needs some work, but you can't really teach 16 points and seven, uh, seven rebounds against grown men as an 18-year-old um, while not shooting the ball very well. So I think you, you, you follow the Thunder DNA and take the, the high potential here and, and Jonathan Kuminga. Yeah, I mean, that's the scary thing, as you just highlighted right there. We both have issues, some small issues with Kaminga, and he averaged 18 points after only playing basketball for a few years, as you just highlighted. And I think the Thunder are the perfect team suited to take a guy like this, too. They have guys who can play in front of him. If they want, as maybe they start to tank this season again, they can swap him in there and give him more minutes. With so many picks, they can afford, if there was some reason that Kaminga ends up busting, I think they would be able to swallow it because they're like, man – you know the potential of what he could be. So, yeah, you love the, the physical profile, as you mentioned there. The feel the decision-making are kind of the concerns. The lack of the outside shot is so important in today's game. But, I mean, hey, look, this guy's not going not gonna to be Giannis. But, like, Giannis just scored 50 points in an NBA Finals game and only made one three. So there are ways to still dominate in this league without being a great shooter. And as part of the reason Kaminga is able to get those points, I feel like, is because he is the biggest and most athletic guy out there a lot of the time. So his teammates were able to give him the ball in positions where he could succeed. And I think between Shea, Lou Dort, and if Kemba Walker plays some on this roster, I think those guys will be able to do that and help his development along. So I, I do agree with you that this is the spot for him in the top in the top 10 just because of the time that they're going to be able to give him because the Thunder aren't going to be trying to seriously win anything anytime soon. But there is a team that's going to be trying to win something right away, and that's the Golden State Warriors. So even when I'm not picking for my Timberwolves, I'm still picking in their draft spot. This is the spot the Timberwolves would be picking had they not done the D'Angelo Russell trade. So Golden State sits here. Obviously, they're looking for a player who can help them. They might Look, maybe they want a long-term developmental guy. I think they're looking for someone to win now, personally. That's just how I feel. After the way the Wiseman thing shook out, we'll see if Wiseman is a part of this team. I, we both still think Wiseman has all the potential in the world to be a great player. Just didn't work out great in Golden State with their emphasis on small ball and Draymond at the five. So that's where I'm going to go is small ball. And I'm going to go with a guy who's been a, one of my favorite players during the college basketball season. Leaf, you have been high on this guy for as long as I can remember. I was a little later to the party, but – Fell in love with him during March Madness is Davion Mitchell. I know he's only 6'2 like that, but I really think him, Clay Thompson, I think Clay can guard most threes with the way his defensive versatility works. Wiggins can guard a lot of fours. Draymond can guard the fives. And Mitchell comes off the bench and closes a lot of games for this team. He, I mean, Naismith, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. He was absolutely locked down on that end of the court. We saw him make tons of big-time shots. He took a big shooting jump this past year, making a lot more of his threes. We know how important spacing is like that, so. Also, is a tough guy as well, can handle the ball a little bit when needed. It could help run the second unit for this team whenever Steph or Clay isn't out there doing their, and they're running things through them. I feel like Davion can give you a little bit of scoring punch as well. But the biggest thing I think right away is they want him to come in and bring that lockdown defense that he possesses and be able to hit those big time shots. And Davion Mitchell is not a guy who will shy away from the moment. So I like Davion here for the Warriors. Leaf, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I love Davion Mitchell. I I probably was one of the very first people to say that this guy could be a lottery pick this past year, starting in November. Um, and most people saw, oh, 22 years old, the year prior shot 
29% from three and were frightened from it. Uh, I just saw him physically dominate games at a 6-2 height, which is really rare to see. Um, the only players who really do that notably are, are either incredible shooters, and he is a solid one now, or they're incredible athletes, and he's the latter. Um, he defensively dominates the game, makes your guard um, not not play. Like He guards play players such as Cade Cunningham, and he really irritates them, despite a six-inch uh, height differential there. Um, and then also shot 45% from three. I'm not sure how much I buy him shooting at that type of clip in the NBA. His shot isn't as natural as some of the other players who shoot around that clip. Um, but that said, there's no better team that provides spacing and opportunities than a team led by Steph Curry and Clay Thompson shooting the ball. Uh, he can learn there, and he can also pro- uh, provide space for them with his blazing speed. One thing I was incredibly impressed by is as the teams got better, he, he didn't lose a step. In fact, he almost looked faster. Um, he got to the rim very well, finished well, is a good pick-and-roll passer. He could short-roll pass to Draymond Green there. I really like this fit. And one thing that I think will be interesting to see is it, who they take at seven and how that correlates to who they take at 14. Um, Davion Mitchell is a guy that I think his range starts around there, seven to 14. And I, w- I would love to see his fit with the Warriors, whether it's the seven pick or the 14 pick. But so I certainly have no gripes with this pick. Yeah, he's a guy who definitely may fall outside of the top 10 too because of that lack of upside. If the Warriors do decide we like him, but maybe we want to plan for the long term as well while still trying to win now a little bit. You mentioned the Warriors had two picks. There is another team that has two picks inside the top 10, the Magic. Because of the Nikola Vucevic trade with the Bulls, their pick ended up converting to top 10. An absolute home run pick for them, as great a player as Vucevic is. Did not match the timeline of that team. Now they get another pick here at eight. Leaf, what do you think the Magic are going to do? After early on grabbing Jalen's, I had them taking Jalen Sucks. I've got a shocker here for you. This is a rumor that I picked up on a, about a week or two ago listening to a podcast. Um, I, I heard that uh, a certain player that did not have a, the greatest freshman season um, got his second workout with the Magic. And I heard a following rumor about a little bit later um, that there's a certain player that is really trending up draft boards after measuring it around 6'10 at the combine while playing the two guard. That player, Zaire Williams, um, mm-hmm. had a really – Really tough year at, at Stanford. He uh, had a great first game against a really quality Alabama team. And from then on struggled. He had another, he had a triple double against Washington. Defends well, but he had a knee injury. There's COVID. Stanford basically played out of the, out of a hotel room all this season because of Santa Clara County um, not allowing players or, or I, mean, I should say teams to uh, host events or sporting events of any type. So Stanford football also played on out of a hotel. The other thing I will say about him is he dealt with personal tragedy. He had two deaths in the family. I don't think that you can overstate how difficult a year this was for him. And then you can look at the traits he's got. I don't necessarily think he'll be immediately the most impactful player, but this doesn't seem un- eight, uh, at all atypical of the Magic because they've taken a guy like Chumo Kiki, who had a really breakout season. They've got guys like Jonathan Isaac who have these length and traits and Zaire Williams, quite frankly, is more skilled than both those players. Jonathan Isaac is a phenomenal defender. Zaire Williams is a solid defender. He's got a beautiful stroke off the bounce. He needs to just get stronger. And all inclinations, based off what I've been hearing, is that he is going to be picked eighth overall. Um, I think this was a shocker to you, but I would, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pretty confident this is the pick. I love it, honestly. A little leaf bomb on the pod love to see it and yeah you know what it it, it does make a lot of sense for the reason you just talked about the magic like this kind of player 
I think they have so many guards with Suggs being the next one in there. It makes sense to grab a six, eight forward like that with that incredible wingspan, as you highlighted there and the ability to shoot from the outside is going to be very appealing to teams. Also in a COVID year like this, it is so important. And I think this is so hard for these old fashioned GMs sometimes who aren't as in touch with this generation. That's not just some young guy talking right here. I just think that's a fast fact we've seen over the years is that these guys don't like it when these players do their own thing or go their own way. And they don't always understand the struggles they go through in a year with COVID and everything, you've got to factor in the human side of things and all those things you just laid out there, the personal tragedy playing from a hotel room like that, that's a lot. And it's going to have an impact on your game. And most of the people who are criticizing him or maybe holding him back for those things have obviously never had to deal with that. So no, I think it's a great pick at eight right there. And I, makes a ton of sense for the magic and another guy too. They they're willing to take the risk on a little bit because they have multiple picks and they know this is going to be a long rebuild. I have a, slight, okay. I have a slight disclaimer about my bet of that being the pick. If Jonathan Kuminga for some reason were to fall to eight, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but I want to want to clarify that that could change the change the things. And maybe if they take Scotty Barnes, they're looking elsewhere, but I've heard a lot of significant rumors from people in high places that, that they feel confident Zaire Williams is the eighth pick. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. And I, I personally really like the fit. Mm-hmm. No, I think it makes a ton of sense. And you know what, Leaf, as I, as I look at who we still got available on the big board now, a lot of me is thinking James Booknight right here for the Kings at number nine, but because you're, you just talked about a rumor you heard and believe in it's going to be true a long time ago, there were reports that I saw that Franz Wagner had a lot of fans inside the Kings front office and, Honestly, I think that's the route they're going to go right now. I'm riding this momentum of kind of the rumors and stuff we're hearing a little bit. So I just feel like they're going to end up going with Franz, the 6'9 forward out of Michigan, who I think would definitely, he's a winning player, which is something they just grabbed Halliburton last year. Him and Wagner could help turn around that culture with the star and De'Aaron Fox. What are your thoughts on Wagner and the pick here? Is Should he have, should he go over book night or have you, have you heard similar things as well? Yeah, I've, I've long seen Franz Wagner tied to the Kings. Uh, James Booknight is an interesting player because I've seen a lot of people like him into the Warriors at seven, but I've seen a lot of people like him around 12, 13. Um, I personally have him inside my top 10, but I don't think the fit with the Kings is as good. I'd, I'd let Halliburton have the reins of, of playing the two guard next to De'Aaron Fox. And I think Franz Wagner is the way they're going to go here. Um, a little analysis on Franz Wagner is he's a phenomenal defender and he kind of defines the stereotype of, of white guys aren't great, great athletes. Franz Wagner is a, is a very good athlete. Uh, I think he's the best team defender in this draft other than Evan Mobley, who Evan Mobley is very good in the sense that he's the anchor. Franz Wagner can play a help side, can guard your best player. He's also played two collegiate seasons and is still younger than uh, Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, who are both freshmen. Um, I believe in experience and youth mixing is, is very impressive. Um, not to mention he was the best player on one of the best teams in the country. Um, and that, that matters a lot to me. He reminds me a little bit of uh, – he's got some point forward in him. I, I don't know if this is the, quite the comparison, but I think he could, he could play a similar role, whether it be the sixth man or like kind of a, a powerful, like good starter like Lamar Odom. He, could, he may not be that dynamic of a scorer, but he's got those type of attributes. He's got length. He's got playmaking. Shot 39% from three. Uh, but I don't think his shot projects to the NBA level at the elite level that 39% sounds like, but he, he's, co- he's competent and he's versatile. And I think he's a good plug and play player for the Kings. And I, I do believe that'll be the pick considering the rumors that seem to be endless. Obviously things can change if picks ahead of them uh, do, but 
I, I think that's the, I think that's a solid pick. And I, I like the landing spot more than I like the landing spot for him elsewhere. Yeah. No matter how his NBA career turns out, he should at least be a better pro than his brother <laughs> who a lot of people were suckered into a few years ago. So yeah, we're friends of Wagner and it seems the Kings are as well. So all right, Leaf, number 10, got the Pelicans here. There's a player you mentioned inside your top 10 who is still on the board, but let's see where you go here. Who are you going to pair with Zion and Brandon Ingram? Well, now it's the Grizzlies who have this pick. Oh, the Grizzlies. You're right. Because of the recent trade, outdated board I'm using right here, the Jonas Valanciunas trade, a very, very interesting trade a little bit. Jonas just, he seemed to be a part of Memphis. I was very surprised to see them make this trade, but they wanted to move up. They obviously really like someone in the draft. So the question is, who do they like enough to give up their franchise center for? Well, they got Steven Adams back, but, um, but, but he's I, only on like a, I think he's only, is he on a two-year deal or a one-year deal? I just don't feel like they're super tied to Steven. Yeah, no, that's true. I think a lot of it was salary dumping on the part of the Pelicans, but to answer your question, I have two guys remaining in my top 10 that I think are, are going to go within the top 12. And so I'll say one of them, that is, that is Josh Giddy. Um, he's an Australian guard who's, who's about 6'8". The easy comparison is Joe Ingles. Um, and that's actually how I ended up finding this guy is Joe Ingles mm-hmm. tweeted, oh, let the, let, give the ball to Josh. And I looked up who he was talking about and watched a few clips, and I really liked it. Uh, he's, a, he's a point guard that is 6'8". He provides some length, some secondary playmaking for the Grizzlies. I think his shot is getting better. I'm not sure it's, a, it's great yet. But I think that you, it's really hard to take away this, this size and passing. Uh, I'll always, always be a sucker for that. And I also think that he could run the second unit. He can play starting minutes with Jaw because of how fast Jaw is. And he could be able to create and, not, and take pressure off of Jaw in a game. Uh, another comparison for him is, is his teammate, well, would-be teammate is Kyle Anderson. Um, I wouldn't say he, his game is as slow as slow-mo Anderson, but he's very composed and he's clever in that same sense. And his shot is developing um, just like Kyle Anderson's has done. And I, I think that's a really solid pick for them uh, personally. I, I do like that fit. Mm-hmm. No, I think as you just, I think that makes a lot of sense there. There are, I think we've both seen the rumors as well that they do like Giddy. It's one of the reasons they moved up for, and it'd be fun to see how they pair him with Ja there. Another, and from one exciting point guard to the next, we got the Hornets right here. LaMelo Ball was absolutely sensational as a rookie. You looked at also the, the leaps that guys like PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, even guys like Terry Rozier look really good. This is a team that could easily have been in the playoffs had LaMelo just and probably would have been in the playoffs had LaMelo and Gordon Hayward just stayed healthy. And now they have a chance to add a really good impact player here. And the question then is who is that impact guy? A lot of people like Corey Kitzbert here. Leaf, I know you're not a fan, uh, not Kitzbert's biggest fan. So that is not the direction I'm going to go in here. And there's a, there's a, it's tough because you want the ball in LaMelo's hands, I feel like, but the, sh- the shooting a little bit is dried up a little bit in the draft personally for me. So it's about finding guys who still pair with and can kind of play with them like that. But honestly, when you get to this point, I feel like you want to take guys who are really talented like that. And I think you try to find guys too, who you just pair talent together and hope it figures out. I guy like J- James Booknight is another guy to me. Who I feel like he is a top 10 player and, would it be the best fit? Maybe not, but man, I just feel like he's too good of a player to pass up at this spot. So I'm going to go with book night. Yeah. He's a, he's a really gifted scorer. I think behind Jalen green, he's probably the best scorer in this class. Um, in the sense that he, that is his, his role, his role is to score. Um, Kate Cunningham may be a higher points per game scorer, 
than Book Knight, but he may not be as as pure of a scorer and, and, and as an attacker um, as James Book Knight. James Book Knight is a really good athlete, shot the cover off the ball in, in, at the combine. His stock really moved up. Uh, I've always really liked his game. He scored 40 points against Creighton, uh, who was a, top, a pretty top-tier team in the, uh, this past season. Uh, his shooting numbers at, at UConn were ridiculously good considering every shot other than about 8% were off the dribble. Um, and, you know, that's really hard to do it when you're shooting all your dribble uh, shots off the dribble. It shows you can shot create. He reminds me a lot of Jordan Clarkson with more vertical athleticism. So uh, while, like you mentioned, this isn't necessarily the most like uh, innate need for the say, Hornets, I don't mind this pick because you're taking the best player available. And I, I do believe he's, uh, he's probably the best player there. Um, the, the only issue I see there is, is the log jam in, in the guard spots, but I do believe in best player available. And, and if the Hornets think that's the guy, um, then I have no, I have no qualms with that. A couple guys that I'd mention are Moses Moody, uh, from Arkansas, a little bigger, more uh, defensive minded wing who can also score the ball and shoot the ball at a pretty high clip. And one guy that I'm not sure I trust as a pick, but you can't think of a better player to play with LaMelo Ball is Kai Jones from Texas. He is a track star at 6'10". That intrigues me, especially at the pace that LaMelo Ball plays at. So uh, those are just two thoughts that I had there, but I'm not sure if I'd take either of them there over Book Knight because he's the best player available. One thing that is so amazing about this draft is we talked about the depth of different positions and things like that. But, I mean, we mentioned Mobley right off the top and there is a massive drop off. So you get to the next center like that. I mean, we're talking 10 spots basically, which is not something you see in a ton of drafts like that because Charlotte's biggest need as we touched on a little earlier when I threw out that Jared Allen trade would be a five. And there's just not a slam dunk five for them to take right there. There's some guys you could talk yourself into as a five. You mentioned Kai Jones a little bit like that with the bounce, but it's a tough spot for them to be in. And they have, they don't have a ton of needs, a team that could kind of go almost anywhere. I mean, I think they've loaded up on guards a little bit in the past years and is the Spurs who are picking here at number 12. What do you see San Antonio doing? Man, San Antonio is hard because like you mentioned, they can go in a lot of different directions and there are a lot of players here that should intrigue them. Uh, One would be Kai Jones, who's like the ultimate, if my ceiling hits, wow, this is going to be awesome because he's such a great athlete. Um, the Spurs have a lot of defensive-minded guards, such as DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Keldon Johnson. I'd even consider a defensive-minded guard, even though he's kind of mm-hmm. a wing forward. Um, there's a big man from Turkey um, named Alperin Shangun that I, I think is a pretty good um, option as well. That, that When you mentioned a five at the for the Hornets, I think I would throw him in there as a possibility as well. He's also a possibility for the Spurs. Um, they have Jakob Pertl right now, but I think he, you, you don't think he's the future of the Spurs. I think I'd take Moses Moody if I'm the, if I'm the Spurs, because he can score the ball. He can defend. He's a good run and jump athlete. He shot the ball pretty well at Arkansas. And I think right now the three and D wings are King right now. And in, in terms of what the, the transition of the NBA, Moses Moody at Arkansas scored 17.4 points per game, 37 0.9% from three, 82% from the field, and six rebounds per game. Uh, he's got an over seven-foot wingspan, can play the three, uh, can can play physically, can space the floor. I think I think he's probably the best player available. I would not be surprised at all if they were to go Alperin Shangun, the, the big man from Turkey I just mentioned, who's a very good scorer. Uh, he just needs some work defensively. And if anyone can teach you defense, um, I think Popovich is a good 
good candidate to do so, um, considering how good the rest of their team is defensively. But I'll go with my gut and, and, and say that if Moody's available at 12, which he may not be based on how high some teams are on him, uh, that they'll go best available and, and think he is. But it's hard to tell what teams think. That, that's the beauty of the draft. It's hard to tell what they prioritize. No, absolutely. When you talk about the, you talked about the wingspan. I mean, this, the shooting ability like that, three and D potential. It's such a valuable asset to have three and D wings like that. And we're seeing these Spurs are kind of stockpiling on these guys a little bit. They're a team that's some people have rumored for the Ben Simmons trade as well. So it'd be interesting to see if this would get dealt there. And maybe if they traded like a, a bunch of future first round picks and hold on to this one, they want to grab a guy like Moses Moody to continue to surround a guy like Ben with the floor spacing that they have here. So I like that pick there. All right, next up, we got the Pacers, another team that was very ravaged by injuries last year, disappointment. Nate Bjorkman experiment did not work. You get Rick Carlisle in there, who's still one of the, still one of the, I feel like better coaches in the NBA overall, still one of the, definitely one of the upper half better guys. So I'm excited to see what he does coming in here, developing guys. And I think that, that, look, I I really like Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's going to stay with this team for a little bit. I keep looking at a guy like Keon Johnson. I just like the way I think their skill set would pair well together. I like the athleticism and, I trust a guy like Rick Carlisle to kind of be able to help this guy mold and grow into a great player. So what do you think about Johnson to the Pacers here? He's, he's the definition of boomer bust. I think there, he's one of the guys that I think could easily go 10, 10th overall to 15th overall, and then could all the slide all the way down to the end of the first round because of concerns about his character. Uh, every year there's a guy, I mean, obviously we talk, talk about it a lot in football. I know, I know you're huge in the, in the NFL draft, um, there's always players that that slide for off the field issues. This is an off the court issue, um, more so than an on on court issue. Um, the the reason he's you don't trust his on court enough is because he was off the court. Uh, just kind of he dealt with an injury and decided it was better for him to sit out and, and train on his own. And and you know that happens in football. Just it's not customary for basketball. Um, and so I think people are concerned about his mentality. Um, but not concerned about his traits because he's big. He's a great passer. He's athletic. Um, he had one of the best games of any prospect in the draft, and that was his first game. He had 19, 19, 4, and 4. Um, that, that's pretty terrifying to think that's your power forward. Um, and in that game, he didn't even shoot well. So I think, I think he's a really good pick. I think that's high upside, and I'd be very curious to see how he'd play along DeMontis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see how the Pacers rebound from a lackluster season for sure. So at number 14, you got the Warriors again. Or I had them going Davion Mitchell earlier. Do you see do you see them going with another win now player? Or are they gonna look to the future a little bit more here? Um, I think they're gonna win now. I, I, I think they're gonna win now. I think that most of the guys that you would say are the the ceiling prospects that you're you're taking a swing on or have been taken, um, that they'd look for. And I I feel like this is a pretty substantial rumor as well. Chris Duarte has been really killing it during his workouts, moving up draft boards. He is the oldest player in this draft. He's going to be 24 by draft night. So tomorrow. And he is a really good shooter can defend at a high level, can put the ball on the floor and he fits what the Warriors want. And what the Warriors need is just a, some, a couple more shooters that can defend. Um, and, and what they had this past year was really good defenders that couldn't shoot and they didn't have Clay Thompson either. And I think Chris Duarte is a good complement to what they have on the roster, both in the starting units and the bench. So I'm pretty sure that it'll, um, that if he's available, the, the Warriors would take Chris Duarte. I really like that pick. And I think you just made 
great points on them why they would try to win now because of the lot of the guys they're looking at being gone. So that makes a ton of sense for Golden State for me. A team that would like to win now would be the Washington Wizards, but unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. I got to be honest. I think they're going to start to see the writing on the walls a little bit, realize Beal's not very long for this team, realize what are we doing with Russell Westbrook? We should try to move off them. And look, maybe this is an overdraft a little bit, but this is one of my biggest draft crushes overall. I really like Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. Maybe 15 is a little rich for that, but I just think he's a phenomenal player. And I think the way he could fit with a guy like Denny Avdia playing, I would love to see Denny have the ball in his hands a little bit more. And then you get Sharif moving around, maximizing on his shooting shooting ability a little bit. I know the shooting potential is only 23% from three, but you saw the flashes there in specific games like that of what was to come that really intrigued me personally. And I think you pair him with a guy like Rui Hachimera as well. I think, the, like I said, Wizards, they're going to see the writing on the walls to me. They're going to want a scoring guard to come in. And that's why I'm going to have him go with Sharif Cooper here. Sharif is one of my favorite watches uh, of the of the draft. He's a, he's a great playmaker with the ball in his hands. He, he would make Rui a ton better. I think that would be the main beneficiary. I think Thomas Bryant and Daniel Gafford mm-hmm. would really, really appreciate his his playmaking abilities. I personally think that's a little high for him just because of his diminutive stature and you rarely see players of the six foot mold that, that can come in and, and really take over. Um, if they're to lose Beal and Westbrook, that, that's a tough, uh, tough task to ask him to be the, the key piece of a rebuild. But I do think he's got potential. And if he finds the right fit, and if that is the right fit, I believe in him. It, it's just hard to put it on his shoulders so soon. Um, if they were to find a way to get another another guy who scores here, um, I, I would consider that. But like you said, there's a lot of the, the players that you'd want here have been taken. So they're in a weird little lull in the draft where it seems like there's a separate tier from the lottery to the next step, despite only being one pick away. And t- next up, we have a team that moved a few picks away now, or a team that already made a pick earlier in the Oklahoma City Thunder, a trade with Boston. Lands him here at 16. How do you think that, where do you think the Thunder are going to go here? I think they're going to go with Alperin Shangun, the uh, big man from Turkey. Uh, I think that they can afford to take a, a flyer here. I mean, uh, traditionally European bigs aren't, aren't the safest things to project, but this guy can really score the ball. Uh, he won the MVP of the Turkish league that like roughly has around 30 former NBA players and he scored 19 points per game. Uh, can, can step out to the mid range. He's a good passer. Um, and, and I would honestly say passing is probably his best skill. Um, and, and that's something that's pretty rare for a young guy. And I think you might as well take a flyer because they've got so many picks in the future. They've already taken a, a potential guy in, in Jonathan Kuminga in this mock draft. I think you try to develop him along with Poku, with Kuminga, with Shagos, just Alexander and Dort. And I, I think you eventually are going to find something that is a successful recipe. So I think at 16, that's a steal. Oh, I think it's absolutely true. Are you, are you not feeling the Poku love a little bit like that? Don't know about Poku? A little uncertainty there? I believe in Poku, but this guy, this guy is a back-to-the-basket kind of got an old-school game, whereas Poku is, is the, the very, very new. And I think they could complement one, one another. I think Poku could shoot threes, and he could play in the interior. I think with his with small frame that Poku possesses as well, I think there's definitely a chance there, but that's the way they go. Moving on down our draft board, we have the Pelicans here at 17, and this is another team I think that's trying to 
after the trade back, they're trying to maximize spacing around their star in Zion Williamson. Because of the spacing, I'm going to take the guy who was arguably the best shooter in the country this past season, 48% from three on over six attempts per game from Corey Kitzbert, 6'7", Gonzaga forward. I mean, those are incredible numbers right there, and I think that's what you want next to a guy like Zion. There's a reason they shipped Steven Adams out of town. They want to space the floor for him a little bit more, bring in the best shooter of the country. Zion's going to get see a lot of double teams in the paint. You want to kick it out to someone you know is going to be able to knock it down. I think they live with some of the athletic limitations and hope that he's able to become one of the best shooters in the NBA with the gravity and the amount of open shots he's going to get because of the player that is Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram as well. Brandon's getting it going. They're going to try to double him as well. Just valuable to have spacing, which is why I think Kitzbert will still go in the top 20, despite not being the most athletic guy in the draft. What do you think of that leaf? I think you addressed a need there and that they need to shoot the ball more. Um, I personally would go with Trey Murphy. I think he's a better athlete and a comparable shooter. I, I just believe in three and D if you can get the best of both worlds, this guy's a 40, a 50, 40, 90 guy, excuse me. And, uh, and he's a, he's a very good defender. I, I personally believe in him more than I do in Kispert, but that said, I, I can't argue with the, the need you're addressing and, and Corey Kispert fills that need with his shooting ability. Um, he's been long regarded as the best shooter in this class. Um, and, and I don't have an issue with that pick at all, despite me not being as high on him as many other players are. And I think Kisper very well could be gone in the water because of the how coveted shooting is. And if he's there at 17, I, I don't fault the Pelicans at all. I mean, last year we talked about them taking Aaron Neesmith, for instance, who is just the best shooter in the class. And I think nothing changes because you still have the same two cruxes of your team in Zion and Brandon Ingram. Uh, so I, I definitely understand that pick. And Nate Smith, another guy, too, who was drafted very high by the Celtics because of that shooting ability you touched on right there. So now up 18 for the third time, we have the Thunder. We know Sam Presti acquired a ton of draft assets and lives up to the name when you go through all the amount of picks they have here. So you had him going. You picked for him just two picks ago. Had him going with with Shin. I'm going to mess up his name (laughs) out of the big guy, big man out of Turkey. So where do you see him going here at 18? I'm a little conflicted here because there's a few guys that I personally really like, but I, I don't know exactly what the Thunder are going to prioritize in, in the third pick of the draft. I, first off, I'll say that I don't know if they're going to keep all three picks. Mm-hmm. I can see them packaging it and trying to do something for the future um, and or try to get a team that wants to move forward in the draft. And they say, hey, we've got two at 16 and 18 and we've got six. Like we're not scared to shuffle it up. Um, if they're at 18, there's a few guys I personally really like as picks. Uh, one is Usman Garuba is a Spanish forward who is, I think he's the most versatile defender in this class. Um, he can, he can guard he can play the five and he can guard, you know, wings exceptionally well. He's playing the Olympics right now for the Spanish team. I also, uh, really, really like Trey Murphy, as I just mentioned as a possibility. The one I've heard the Thunder like is Cam Thomas, a microwave scorer from LSU, um, for the sake of sake of following what I've heard and, and a lot of rumors tying him to the Thunder, I'll, I'll take Cam Thomas. Uh, I personally think I'd go with Usman Garuba, um, but but I'll, I'll go with Cam Thomas for the sake of trying to accurately prognosticate here. Um, and and I think what he does is similar to Jordan Clarkson, James Booknight mold is is he's just a scorer. He gets he gets the ball in the hole. You could play him as a sixth man and say, hey, we're going to take Shea Gillis-Alexander out of the game and we're going to hand the scoring responsibilities over to you. 
Um, and you'll have young talent alongside you as well because we've got a ton of young players. Um, and if you become a six-man scorer and a six-man of the year candidate, that is excellent. And if not, you know, we can still use your scoring on an inconsistent basis. So that's personally what I think the pick will be. Like I mentioned, I think I'd take Garuba for his defensive uh, specialty. Um, and, and I think he could – you'd have a really fascinating trio of Garuba and Poku would be a beautiful combination, by the way. Yeah, that's the definition of complementing skills extremely well to me. And if Tom, and like you said, it's really likely they for sure package these picks, whether it's to move up this year or maybe even in a future draft, if they want to move back or something, just because they have so many of them. We know Presti likes to keep wheeling and dealing. So next up, we got the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau loves defense. This is where I think Garuba, I don't think Garuba gets past Tom Thibodeau right here. I think as he, as Thibodeau is forced to adjust to the modern game, I think a guy of this length and build is going to be something that he's like, okay, I can talk myself into this guy playing center here. I really like Mitchell Robinson, but another guy who struggles to stay healthy and also a guy who's going to be pretty expensive for this team. So if they're able to trade him instead of having to pay him a ton of money, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then you can grab a guy like Garuba who yes, is not much of a scorer or a shooter, but we know that Thibodeau does not care about that. I think the Knicks are going to want to continue to build off this winning culture. Also, if we're talking long-term as well, you got a guy in Obi Toppin in there who is not a defensive presence, but is more of an offensive presence and possesses that outside shooting a little bit. So I think Garuba makes a lot of sense here for the Knicks. Yeah, I think Garuba fits a lot of what Tom Thibodeau likes. I think the Knicks this year, more than anything, need some shooting and some some wing play. I, I think they're, they've already given up on Kevin Knox. And I think that's yes. a fair decision. Yes. Um, I, I think there's a possibility they've looked for a guy like Trey Murphy there. I think the Knicks are very heavily tried to trying to move up to get Chris Duarte. So if you look at the most similar player to Duarte, that's Trey Murphy. Um, so that's something I'd look at. And then one other player, speaking of uh, potential in defense is uh, Kai Jones. He's still on the board. This is a guy that is in the green room, I believe. Uh, so, you know, there's 20 picks in the green room. And so this is 19. I'd assume he, if he's there, that's got to be among the best of the, uh, the top of the list for them. I also think I kind of messed up in the, the Thunder pick in the sense that if Kai Jones is there, he fits their, their mold to a T as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I'm just going to trust the, the rumors tying Cam Thomas to the Thunder, though. I, I think that if Garuba and Jones are there, uh, Sam Presti should – I won't tell him how to do his job. He's obviously pretty good at it, but should very much consider one of those two guys. But I, but I do like your pick here of Garuba to the Knicks. Yeah, it just feels like a Thibodeau, Thibodeau match to me. I, I totally agree with you, though. If it was me, I'd probably be prioritizing more shooting, especially if they end up losing Reggie Bullock, who a lot of teams, including your Utah Jazz, are very hot after. Speaking of hot, how about the Atlanta Hawks? What a season they are coming off of. Trey Young is even continuing to keep it up going. We see him lighten up random basketball games highlights lately as well. And this Hawks team has, a t they don't have many needs. They can honestly take best available almost. So Leaf, what are you kind of feeling with Atlanta here? I think they are going best available here. And, and I am going to go with Kai Jones or Trey Murphy. And I think I'm going to say Kai Jones. Okay. Because I think they, they'll prioritize his vertical athleticism, his, his, his freaky traits more so than they already have two guys in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish who are of the same mold as uh, Trey Murphy. And I think that they'll try to go for the more rare guy that will work in the long term, and he could be a John Collins replacement if that were to 
turn into something. I think Kai Jones is, is a bargain to get at 20. Another guy that I would, uh, would look out for here for this pick would be uh, Keon Johnson, who's a phenomenal athlete, and they could play off the bench and be a spark plug early in his career and also possibly develop into more. Um, there's a, this is one thing I'll just say here because we're at the 20th pick, and there are guys that many have projected inside the top 10. I think I've seen Kai Jones in the top 10 to some people. I've seen Keon Johnson in the top 10 for some. I think Jalen Johnson, we took him at 13 here. Uh, he could easily be here. Trey Murphy has been at 14 to the Warriors a couple times. The Hawks are in a beautiful position. And I think this is going to start the trickle down effect as the first round develops that some guys from the green room are going to be there for the end of the draft, um, end of the first round, I should say. Um, but I'll, I'll take Kai Jones for the Hawks. Yeah, this is what makes the draft so much fun is the unpredictableness. Every year there's a guy who falls too far. There's a guy who's taken too high and it's always exciting to see who it is. And Kai Jones is a really phenomenal player as well. And I think we'll do really nice things in Atlanta fit in very nicely with their collection of wings too. And it'll be interesting to see how he develops under Nate McMillan's coaching. So back to me, we got the Knicks up again. This time I am not passing on shooting. Trey Murphy is still on the board and this is where I'm going to snag Trey Murphy right here. Leaf, you know a lot more about Trey than I do. Tell me about what you think about Trey. I love Trey Murphy. I, we mentioned Davion Mitchell is, is my guy. Um, Trey Murphy was kind of the second guy that I, I really thought, wow, this guy could be really special. And I firmly believe he'll outperform uh, where he's drafted, whether that – I think he'll be a lottery guy in redrafts. Uh, he's a late bloomer. He grew from 6'4 um, to 6'9 uh, in between his senior year of college uh, – senior year of high school to his junior year of college. Um, that's what he's at right now, 6'9. He's a 50-40-90 guy. He can really defend. He's well-trained on the defensive end from the University of Virginia who trains in the pack line. Trey Murphy will be even better in an NBA system with more spacing. I think if you look at the prototype of a guy like Cam Johnson, who's been very successful for the Suns, and he's younger, he's a better vertical athlete, he's a better defender, and his shooting splits, they come off harder shots than Cam Johnson's did. Obviously, Cam Johnson's a very good shooter. I think he's the better prospect than Cam Johnson, yet Cam Johnson, no one in redrafts will really look at it and be like, wow, that's, that's not a good pick now um, with hindsight on their side. Um, so I think you take the younger, good athlete. The Knicks desperately need shooting. Um, and I, th I think this is a slam dunk pick. If he's here at 21 and the Knicks don't take him, I'd be pretty stunned. I totally agree with you. And that's why I made the pick as well, because I think it would be crazy to pass on a guy with this much shooting for the Knicks. So we go from the Mecca of basketball to a place that has tied for the most championships with the Celtics, it is the Lakers. At the moment, they still have the pick. We'll see if tomorrow they still have it. There's lots of rumors, as there always is with the Lakers, of trades and whatnot. But at the moment, if they keep the pick, what do you think they're doing here, Leaf? I think they got to go best player available. I, 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 will, I will start by saying that I've heard a lot of ties to Io DeSumo not falling past the 22nd pick, which is where we mm -hmm. are. That would be an interesting one because the Lakers could use a point guard to relieve LeBron of so much playmaking duty. Uh, I think that they could use a backup guard. But what I'll say here is if Keon Johnson is on the board at 22, I, I think they'd be hard-pressed to overlook him. Um, and then another guy I'd mention as a point guard if he were here is Trey Mann. I'll take Keon Johnson here. Um, I'm kind of talking myself into Trey Mann, actually. I, I <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you both, and then you can, you can, be, the, you can be the final determinant. As you're a bit, you're, you like the Lakers. You can tell me what they need more. I'll give the, the, the reasons for both. If, if that's okay with you. 
so Keon Johnson has the highest vertical in this draft. He was supposed to be a lottery pick, didn't have the best um, best combine. I still wouldn't be surprised if he's gone in the lottery. And if he's here at 22, I have a hard time seeing a team pass on him. He accelerates phenomenally. He's got a great change of direction. His jump shot could use some work. He's only a 26% three-point shooter, 71% free throw shooter. But you just can't teach the athleticism or potential defensive ability um, because of how, how his quick twitch is, and he's got a pretty good wingspan. I also think that he could be a really good bench score right away, and then he could develop into more. As for Trey Mann, nothing is more current in the NBA than off-the-dribble shooting and pick-and-roll ball uh, decision-making, and he's phenomenal at both. Um, and, and he's also a pretty big guard at six foot four and a half, six five, uh, shoots the ball well and has the best floater in the draft, which I'm a sucker for. So those are the two options. You can, you can uh, put the gavel down and, and pick a player, but uh, I think those two are the, the prime candidates for the Lakers. Leaf, if there's one thing we have in common, we're both suckers for guys with a floater game. So I am with you. I'm going to go Trey Mann here. I just that shooting and the ability to handle off the pick and rolls. I think that's what really sold sold me on it for especially that Lakers are going to need more of a backup point guard. And maybe he's a guy who ends up not just closing some games for this Lakers team, but starting for him as well. So I think that'll end up being the move. It's a Trey man right there. I like it. So Trey man there. And look, we're not going to waste any time. I mean, the Rockets just are in the business for best available player. So I think they're just going to go right in and grab Keon Johnson for all the reasons you just highlighted there. Yes. They grabbed Jalen green earlier on, but this is a team that green could easily handle the ball a lot for this team as it is. The point guard position is becoming so interesting with so many guys being able to handle the balls, guys of different positions being able to distribute like that. And I think that Rockets just need so much. They're willing to say, hey, I know he's another two guard, but he's the best available player. So let's bring him on in. What do you think of Keon Johnson? And do you think he could fit with Jalen Green long-term? I think they'd be an interesting pairing playing together but I think you could make an argument that they'll be playing mostly separate units and they'd, they'd work well um, in terms of hey here's scoring punch from two all-american guards um, coming out of high school at this at this level and you can have one start obviously Jalen Green's probably the candidate to, to probably start alongside Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, but you could have Keon Johnson there I think Keon more than likely will be gone in, in all reality but in this type of thing I love the fit because you're not Keon Johnson at 23 is a slam dunk. You, you have to have to send it with that type of athletic ability, his defensive potential um, and chops for getting into the paint. I, I think, I think that's a really good pick. Had Keon Johnson gone 22, I think Trey Mann will be the pick here. Um, mm -hmm. Just point guard with modern creation ability. And I think another guy to look for is one we've already taken is Sharif Cooper, uh, Sharif Cooper. I, I really think that a couple of those guys um, are kind of in this 20 to 24 picks with the Knicks duplicating at 19 and 21 and the Rockets at 23 and 24. So I like that pick a lot. I, I have no, no qualms about it whatsoever. You mentioned the Rockets, they're duplicating. They're, they're up again, 24 back to back. Very likely they trade one of these two picks as many NBA teams do when they're so close together as we touched on with Thunder, but they're staying here for the purposes of our mock. What do you think Houston does with their second of the back-to-back -back picks? It's a tough one. Uh, I will. I think a guy that's moving up a lot of boards that they could they could look for would be uh, one of Miles McBride and I would assume, but with with a lot of guards here, I'm going to go with uh, with Isaiah Jackson of Kentucky, a really good vertical athlete, protects the rim at a high level, has a decent mid-range game. That that one I'm not completely sold on but he can really run the floor he'd be a good compliment 
for a guy like Jalen Green. I, I think that he's an option. And another guy that is really rising up draft boards of late is Isaiah Todd. Uh, so the two Isaiahs. Uh, Isaiah Todd played on the G League 19 with Jalen Green. That would be interesting to see if they would pair up again in the professional ranks. Um, but, but yeah, I, I really think that they'll go with a big here because of they've got a lot of guards, and I think they're going to go with athletic upside. So I'll go with Isaiah Jackson of Kentucky just because of I think his defensive potential is, is really impressive, and I think he'll, he could be a rim-running big to play with some superb scorers. Yeah, I love the way his game pairs with Christian Wood based on what you just sold me right there. So I am a fan of that fit for sure. At 25 right here, we have the Clippers. Another team in an interesting spot coming off. There's a lot of things that, you know, of course, they, this is another team. Like they have a ton of wings when they have Morris, Paul George, and Kawhi locked up long term. But there's a lot of other things this team could feel feels like this team could need. And one of those things to me is I feel like they've just every year it feels like they're searching for that guy at point guard. And you've mentioned Jasumo a lot, but I'm going to go with Jared Butler here. I just like, I feel like he's a proven winner. He got it done at the collegiate level. He's a guy who can handle the ball and pick and rolls and is effective at playing off the ball, shooting, shooting 42% from three this past season. And those are things that are very appealing when you have stars who are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. So can take the pressure off them from a ball handling standpoint and play with those guys because of the shooting. Is there anything else I'm miss, missing about why Jared Butler and the Clippers would be a good fit? He's also a really good defender. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that, because he played alongside Davion Mitchell, it wasn't as noticed, but he was an all uh, big 12 defensive player. And he, uh, I think he led the conference in steals per game. Uh, so he's, he's a really good defender. One of the best, one of the better shooters. I won't say one of the best, cause this, this is a lot of really good shooters, but he's probably the best off the dribble shooter um, in this class, other than maybe trade man. Um, so I, yeah, I really, I really like that pick. I think that would be a steal. Make a lot of sense for the Clippers as we see the Baylor backcourt now officially off the board. At 26 here, we have Denver. So nice when your point guard is basically your center. You can fit so many different kinds of players next to Jokic. And this is a Denver team that, while they do feel like they have a lot of things, to me it feels like they could definitely use a few more guys on that bench after getting it gutted from a, a few years ago. They drafted really well, but now it feels like a lot of those guys have been pillaged by other teams because they can't pay them. They definitely could use some more depth here. Where do you see Denver going? Yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds here. I think they could they could go for a, a kind of power forward that you could hope becomes either a player you play alongside Jokic once Aaron Gordon um, moves on. I think you could play for potential. I also think they could use a scorer that was supposed to be kind of like R.J. Hampton's role. Uh, so I'm going to go with Josh Christopher of Arizona State. I, I think that's a really good fit. They like these type of players that had high profiles coming out of uh, high school didn't necessarily hit their ceiling in college. RJ Hampton's case, um, he went to New Zealand. But RJ Hampton is an example. Uh, Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr. I think, I think it just makes too much sense. Josh Christopher is a, a gifted scorer, strong athlete. He's about 6'3", 215, can, can shoot the ball at a decent level. He can slash, and he, he's, he's kind of got that um, – charisma and confidence that that you you kind of associate with Michael Porter Jr. I, I really believe that they're going to look for a potential here and I think that one makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think it does make a lot of sense for those reasons you highlighted because of the Nuggets how much they do love guys that are if Christopher's mold. At 27 here we have the Nets and the Nets are fascinating because I just this is a team that if I had to bet right now if I had to pick a team to win the title next year I'm picking Brooklyn. I know the injuries are scary, but it's just too much talent for me. 
And because of that, I'm like, I, f- I feel m- stronger about them than almost anyone else. I just don't know if this pick stays here. There's rumors they want to move DeAndre Jordan's contract. It's a hefty contract, $10 million per year. I wouldn't have an issue attaching a first-round pick to it, trading it away, opening up the cap space when I want veterans to come in on this team and be able to help me out right away. So I feel like that is the most likely thing. But if not, it's never a bad idea to still kind of still kind of plan for the future a little bit and maybe even bring in a guy who shows a little bit of a willing pedigree as well. And we do know Kyrie and James Harden are prone to get hurt, so it might help to have another guard too. So this is where I'm going to stop the Io DeSumo fall. I think he's a, he's a talented player. He's a guy who's rose up a lot of the draft boards as well, and he's, he's really fun too. I mean, he shot 39% from three, which you love if you're going to be playing with so many ball-dominant guys if you want to play right away. And long-term is a guy we've still seen who's been able to handle the ball in some big moments and get it done. How do you like DeSumo, and do you think he would be able to help this team in year one? Yeah, I think he can play quality minutes as a, as a backup point guard and, and fill in admirably when they are not playing. Um, I, I personally think Iowa's at the tail end of the, the first round, and he's been creeping up boards. And like I said, there's a rumor that says he'll go no lower than 22. So if he's here, I think the Nets would be thrilled to get him. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense for Brooklyn for sure. Another team with title aspirations in the coming year is the 76ers. We do not know if their point guard is going to be traded yet. And Ben Simmons, what do you have Philly doing here at 28? It's a great question. Um, I would, I would take based off how this board has played out. I would take um, Jaden Springer. I think Jaden Springer is the best player available. Um, He's, I, I know I've said this a lot, a lot of people, I think that he'll, he'll probably be gone by 20. Um, I, I think he's got traits that, that are hard to teach. He's got size for a guard. He's a really good defender. Uh, rumor has he had an ankle injury during the season, which is kind of why he didn't uh, score as well as, as would have panned out. And he's been working out very well for teams, showing off impressive athleticism and explosiveness. Uh, and that said, Jaden Springer, at 28 is a bargain for the Sixers. I think they, they hit gold with Tyrese Maxey last year. I think they'll do the same thing, taking a, a high-level prospect that has slipped due to shooting concerns um, and maybe just lack of efficiency scoring in college. And I think the NBA game opening up, providing more space for their slashing ability. Um, and then also both players, and I said this about Tyrese Maxey last year, both players, aside from being very good on-ball defenders, have good shooting strokes. They just didn't shoot the ball well. Um, that's what I believe about Springer. I don't know if I, he's a lottery pick, which is kind of where he started around that uh, periphery of the lottery. But that said, I think I think if you get him at 28, uh, you'd have to be ecstatic if you're if you're from Philadelphia. For sure, and it'll be interesting. I think Philly will be happy to just if as long as if Ben Simmons is traded tomorrow and they get a decent haul for them, they could pick almost anyone, and I think they'll be happy with how the draft turns out. As that city just seems like they are done with Ben Simmons. And speaking of, we are almost done. This is my now last pick of the first round as I sit here at 29 with the Suns still licking their wounds from coming so close and falling short for the first time in franchise history. For Chris Paul, he was able to make finals. They did make the finals all the way back with Charles Barkley, but still let down to have them lose it all. But at 29 here, I, so I think the Suns are going to re-sign Chris Paul and they still need to groom their point guard of the future. No, I do not think it's campaign. So why not Joshua Primo out of Alabama? He's so young. I mean, you're talking about a guy does not, doesn't turn 19 until December, which is crazy. So he's younger than most of the one and dones will have in the coming class. But he's a guy, he's a really exceptional athlete, also shot 38% from three. Is he going to play much for this team? No, not early on, but we just saw the same thing with their 
first round pick from last year and a guy in Jalen Smith who did not offer them much for uh, coming out of Maryland. So I don't think they have a problem drafting a guy who can sit back and learn from someone like CP3. What do you think of Primo and how do you think he would do? Eddie, what do you what do you think he's just going to be like long term in the NBA as a guy who is so young? I, I love Joshua Primo. I, I've got him pretty high on my board. I want to say I have him about 22. Uh, I think he's a immediately good NBA defender, despite being so young and not having the weight on his body that you would accustom you, you'd be accustomed to seeing on a good NBA defender. He really slides his feet well. He's got some good mechanics, shoots from a deep range. He can play the one or the two. Um, and obviously he's 18 years old. You can really develop and there's nobody better at teaching how to play the point guard than the point God. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm on, I'm on board. I, I really like that pick. I, I think there's a lot of really good players still available and I'm kind of thrilled with the way this board has fallen for my jazz. Um, and Primo would have been about the top of the list for the jazz for me. Uh, I would have loved Jaden Springer. I was tempted not to take him for the sake of my jazz, but I think you, you kind of these last two picks, you've taken high potential freshmen, and I think they could not have fallen to better situations. Absolutely. In the case of Primo, and as you mentioned, behind Chris Paul, it's just a dream scenario. All righty. Last pick of the first round is your Utah Jazz. It all works out so perfectly. You mentioned the talent on the board, but only one can join the Utah Jazz. So who's it going to be? Hopefully we do take someone. I, I'll, I'll address the, the the rumors in the room is, is that the Jazz are very likely to look to move this pick if they don't have one of the guys they really want to take um, and try to kind of shed some salary, whether it be Derek Favors um, and a pick and move down in the draft or maybe move up. Um, so if they're here at 30, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do, but I'm not sure they will stand pat. There are two players on here that, that have not been selected that I know the Jazz are very high on. Um, one, one is uh, Bones Highland of VCU, who is one of my personal favorites. The other one that I think has been written about the most because they think he will be here is Quentin Grimes of Houston. I'll, I'll kind of break down Bones Highland. He's, he's, got a, he's very lean, very skinny. He was the best player at the combine, in my opinion. And I think that's not crazy to say. He, shot, he scored about 20 points per game, shot 37% from three, was the AAC player of the year. He's a very good defender with a six, nine and a half wingspan on a six, three body. I think he could play the one and the two. He could play in the play with Donovan could play with Clarkson. Uh, although I think they'd kind of rotations would be a little different. Um, anyway, that that's one option. I think the other, the other option is Quentin Grimes. who's a six, five guard with a six, eight wingspan. He's strong. He's a good defender. He shot 40% from three made a hundred threes on the year for the Houston Cougars, which is only one of three players to do that in all of college basketball. Uh, both are good options. I'll, I'll say one more. I'll tell you who I think will happen as, but I will give my personal pick here is I think Brandon Boston Jr. is a very talented player. Um, he had a very poor freshman year at Kentucky, and I think you've got to chalk it up a lot to circumstances. That, that team was exceptionally young. They only had one returner on a team that was one of the top five teams in college basketball before COVID hit. Um, they started from scratch. They didn't have as much practice time to get to know one another. Brandon Boston started shooting abysmally, picked it up and started shooting well. And he's got traits you can't teach. He reminds me a little bit of Brandon Ingram, of a, a little bit smaller Brandon Ingram with his offensive ability. And I think he's also an underrated defender. So that is who I would pick. Um, but, if, but if I'm the Jazz here and in between Grimes and Bones Highland, they also really like Deuce McBride. I think they – the most likely pick to be here would be Grimes, but because of how the board is shaken up, 
I think they'd take Bones Highland. I think he's the better player in their eyes. I just don't think they're as certain that he will be available. So we, the Jazz will be taking Bones Highland at number 30 from VCU. I love it. I like him. I, th- I think he's a good pick. Um, so I'd be content. I would, like I said, I would take Brandon Boston. I'd be content with Grimes, but I think if Grimes is the option, I think the Jazz are going to trade the pick. If, mm-hmm. if Bones is there, I think they'll keep it and take it. I love it. Covering it from all angles right there. A perfect way to end our mock draft is hitting on all those different players you did and the options that make the second round so fun. But before we go, let's talk about any other guys other than, yes, you just mentioned the other options for the Jazz. Any other players who stand out to you that did not get selected in our first round? Uh, Miles McBride would be the first one that pops in my head. I think he will be a first round pick. I think uh, the way our board fell, that the needs didn't match with the with where he would, could be selected. I think the way we had a lot of point guards late, that meant that he, he kind of fell. Where I think the Clippers could really like him. He could play, be kind of be the the predis, the the guy who follows Patrick Beverly's lead, becomes a phenomenal defender. He's got the tools there. I think that's one that I that I believe will be a first round pick that we've got in our second. I also think that a, a guy like um, so we took Io DeSumo. I think Dayron Sharp, um, who is another guy that could have gone to the Rockets, or, or, um, who I talked about needing a big guy who could work the glass. I think he's one of the biggest risers uh, from combine. From sorry, from the workouts. Uh, he's really shot the ball well, lost some weight, and is a tenacious rebounder. I would I would not be surprised to see him uh, go around eighteen to twenty five. Um, and even though in a lot of mock drafts he's he's in the early thirties. Um, so those are kind of the two that stand out to me. And then another one that I think will be a second rounder, but I know a lot of people have as first rounders is Jeremiah Robinson, Earl of Villanova. He's just the productive plays basketball the right way. He's a mature player um, and he's got very few weaknesses to his game, but he's not got overwhelming strengths for the NBA game. And that's, those are kind of the, the three players that I believe are most commonly well, two of those I think will be first rounders um, and based off what I'm hearing from reports, but a couple mocks have them lower. Um, and then Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a bit lower, but I could see him going higher if a team really likes his um, just stability as a, as a player, because you, you don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those first four or five picks of the second round always feel like extra first round picks because you get the guys who are worthy of being selected there always squeak out and of course there are guys who are going to get overdrafted so these other guys fall down like that so i think that's a great point by you listing all those guys off i will end it with the final name and it's the best name in the draft jt thor out of auburn i he love this guy he could go in the first late more than likely go in the second but you're talking about a guy with a six he's six eight he has a seven three wingspan as well and yes he's very young and raw but man, he could still dunk it and throw the hammer down indeed. So with a name like JT Thor, how could I not bring this guy up? So he's the guy I'm probably rooting for about as hard as anyone who, unless the Timberwolves trade into this draft and somehow grab someone in the second, you just got to root for other JTs to have success in this world because there are so few of us. We just, we just got to stick together. What if your Timberwolves trade into the second and snug, uh, snag JT Thor? I will order a JT Thor jersey on draft night. I would literally buy his jersey the instance it happened. There's And I would almost, it would say Thor on the back, but I've got to figure out a way where I can have it say JT or something on there as well. Because, I mean, I don't want to be that dude who, like, wears a jersey with my name on the back, but at the same time, it's like, it's not actually my name. It's JT Thor. 
it's just too cool of a name to pass up on. So I will absolutely buy a JT Thor jersey tomorrow night if that happens. I will, I will say this. I think that is phenomenal. I think one of JT Thor or Isaiah Todd sneaks into the first round just based off potential. So that's a little a bold claim. One of the two of those guys who are rumored to be second-round picks. I considered Isaiah Todd at 24, I think. Um, JT Thor and Isaiah Todd could also be considered at 26 for the Nuggets. Um, I, I went with Josh Christopher, but I, I think that one of those guys has such high potential. You're going to see a team that, that thinks they can take a swing and I hope it pans out. I, I love JT Thor's game. I just think he's pretty raw and the jazz uh, aren't really willing to make a, a move for him based off some indications um, that I heard from some sources. But that said, I'm rooting for JT Thor as well. Great name. How can you not root for the JTs of the world? Such great people. You don't even have to know them. You just know they're great. Speaking of great people, Leaf can't thank you enough for hopping on tonight and joining us. Always fun to talk some NBA draft. And what is draft? Last, last question in general. You do so much work leading up to draft night. Is it relief? Is it excitement? What are the feelings like? I, I don't know. It's kind of, I like it, but at the same time, it bothers me because I'll be like, oh man, like I was wrong here. Or, or sometimes then it be, I be feel vindicated after the fact. It was like, oh, this guy should have gone higher, but one of the guys I like starts to fall. Sometimes one of the guys I like gets picked high and I'm like very excited about it. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it really just depends the draft last year. I really liked the beginning of the draft. I, I, I had a very good start in terms of accuracy of where those guys were going. I feel like I had a better, better read on the top 10 of who was going to go where I felt very confident in those picks. Um, I will say last year was not my favorite end of the draft because the jazz made a pick that I did not like, but, uh, but you know what? It's one of my favorite years uh, days of the year, I should say, because it is it's relieving to watch all the guys that I've watched so much film on get picked. And then I get excited to watch the summer league. And then I end up watching more film on them because I want to see how they'll do for my team or teams that I feel like are interesting fits. So I'm certainly going to be a happy camper tomorrow and hopefully the jazz end up making a pick. So all my watching of those prospects doesn't go and go for nothing. Yeah, Leaf was not happy with the Azubuke pick. I can attest to that. And you look, know, for every Azubuke, there's a Jarrett Culver from a few years ago. That's one as a Timberwolves fan that drove me insane. But that is the things of the draft. Some, it just like being a normal fan. Some of the picks, they're going to make you raise you up and feel so much hope. And the other ones, they're just going to tear you down and make you feel like crap. And at the end, that's what we love sports for is the swing of emotion. And draft day tomorrow will be fun. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this very special NBA mock draft edition of the From the Stands podcast. Relief to lean. I'm JT Wister Sill, signing off.